So good evening everyone. We will continue to discuss the Bhagavat Sandarbha of Srila Jiva Goswami. We're learning about that transcendental abode, Vaikuntha. Um, free from anxiety. There's no abode in this place that we've found that's not free of anxiety. Mm. Even the heavenly realm, which we may not have um, just an inference of what it's like because we probably can't remember when we were last there, having come here. Undoubtedly, at some time, we've had some experience. That's one reason why when we contact transcendental knowledge coming through Shastra, it seems somewhat familiar to us. <laughs> In most instances, as far as the descriptions of the material realm, we've been there and we've done that. Uh, that's our nature, a naughty can't trace out the beginning of our existence and since we can't trace out a beginning of time and our existence would be of the same duration um, one could say that there has been some experience of, of all uh, within material life So the Anacheda tonight, Anacheda means section, so that section uh, of the Bhagavat Sandarbha uh, that we'll first deal with is uh, just for a short description, uh, Vaikuntha is Satchitananda. So the last Anacheda had the same, the same name. So, Shujiva Goswami begins this Anacheda by um, citing two verses from uh, Sukha Dev uh, from the second canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. In that abode, time, which reigns even over the immortals, has no influence. What to speak of the gods who control the worlds. Nor do Sattva, Rajas, Thomas, Ego, the cosmic intellect, Mahat, or primordial nature, Pradhan, exist in that abode. Those who desire to realize the absolute truth by the process of negating all that is not that, Nati Nati, abandon false nation, notions about the self's true identity. Being filled with single-minded, heartfelt devotion, they embrace in their hearts at every moment the feet of the deserving one. Such persons regard the abode of Sri Vishnu as the supreme station. So there's a lot in these two verses. And there's a lot in these verses by way of comparison 
and by the way of explanation of what that supreme abode is not. And the comparison, of course, is to what um, we, we are familiar what is in this world. So, a few things are there. It's not controlled by time. In this world, everything is controlled by time. And the control of time is such that everything has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Everything comes into being, exists for some time, and ends, goes through six transformations. Birth, growth, maintenance, maintaining, uh, produces some offspring, it dwindles and it dies. That's material existence. So we look, we can look to everything and manifest everything that we're accustomed to in this manifestation has these characteristics and they all march forward under the influence of time. We have no experience of anything that doesn't have a beginning. Everything here has a beginning. Everything everything goes through a period of, of growth and it's sustained. And it uh, there's some offspring, some production, uh, dwindling and death. And it, it exists in all the different species of life. Uh, all the plants, all the animals, all the human beings. They all go through these changes. So we're talking about Vaikuntha and we don't see this in that realm. At least that's what we're told. We have no direct experience. All we can do is, well, what's it, what's it like? What must it be like? And scripture tells us a lot of what the spiritual realm must be like and what the Supreme Lord must be like by comparing it to what we have a some familiarity with and then pointing out what the differences are. So it's it's like here, but there's no time. It's like here, but there's no birth. There's no growth. You don't go through changes like that. And you don't dwindle, get old, and die. So it's not like that. It's not like what you're accustomed to here. Um, time has no influence and the nature of this environment has no influence there well what do you mean by the nature of this environment well what is the nature of this environment it's it's one where we are, for the most part, in practically all circumstances, dictated to by our environment. We basically are reactionary beings in this environment. React. We react to the circumstances of, of, the, of the nature around us. Here they refer to that as, uh, well, first it's mentioned that the, 
Time reigns even over the immortals. So what is meant by this phrase? Time reigns even over the immortals. Well, they must be different from us because we know we're mortal. We, we actually have not seen anybody immortal in this earthly realm, which is what we're accustomed to. So we have no direct experience in our own lives and, oh, well, let's go to history. Let, there has to be somebody somewhere immortal that made it, that conquered over, you know, old age and disease and death. Where is that person? We read all the history. There's no person there. Oh, there's somebody that moved a boulder and, and you know, there's a saint or a sage or there's, it's said that, uh, there's great yogis that live up in the mountains of the Himalayas that have been there for forever. Yes, they've been there forever, but they're not going to be there forever in a day. There will come a day when they're not going to be there. <laughs> so, when we speak in this verse, when it's referring to immortals, it's referring to another realm of existence that's here in the material realm. The immortals are those gods that basically control our existence, the demigods. That seems very foreign to us. What do you mean by a demigod? What, uh, who controls our life? Well, who, who supplies the air that you breathe, the sunshine? Who arranges for the change of the seasons? Well, God does that. Well, yes, God does do that, but... It's a pretty big universe. There's a lot of things involved. It's kind of like a country. And you could say that the president runs the country, or not. <laughs> but he has a lot of assistance. He can't, you know, he could do any one of the specific jobs himself. And because he's God, he could do all the jobs. But because he's God, he also can get all the jobs done without doing any of them. So if you had a choice, just put yourself in his shoes. <laughs> uh, what would you choose? Let me, let me do everything myself? Or should I not do anything and assign all the work to somebody else? That sounds much better. So... That's what's being referred to here, immortals. There are people, demigods within material nature, who are in charge of the different, the different, uh, all, the, all everything that we experience. Uh, just when you go to the city, you may not know the source of the water that comes out of the tap, but if you if you have any any just inkling of an understanding you know somewhere the water's being coming in through pipes and at the other end of the pipes there's a source and that source probably requires some engine to push the water into the pipes and so there's a whole mechanism for everything in material existence there's also a mechanism and even for the subtle things that we, you know, think are, they're not mechanical. 
how could there be some control over my emotions? How could there should be some control over the mental processes? How can, but all these things are managed by higher authority. Well, what's that mean? We do nothing? No. Do you do nothing in the city when you live in an apartment? It's your apartment. And it, it, it serves you. But in most cases, you didn't build the apartment. You may furnish the apartment, but did you build the furniture? You may take advantage of the electricity and the water and the sewer and everything else that's provided, but do you, did you personally arrange for all those things? So we have our realm of existence, and then we have everything. And if we look outside our little shell, more is provided for us than we provide for ourselves. Did we provide the body? No, we had parents. Did we provide the education? No, we had teachers. <laughs> so what do we really provide? It's, it's not a lot. It's a little bit. So that's being spoken of here. That there are immortals to us. From our perspective, they're immortal. Like the landlord... He's going to be there every month for his check. And you may come and go, but the landlord stays. <laughs> so that's kind of like our situation in material life. So the landlord is like a mortal to us. You know, we may only be there for a year, but he's going to be there the next year with another tenant. So there are living entities who have administrative posts because they're responsible. They're more responsible than we are in our, in our mortal life here. Uh, and not only are they responsible, but they're knowledgeable enough to submit to... Um, They've signed up for the draft. They've agreed to work in the Lord's army. So they administrate under his direction and they're willing to do that. Not everyone signs up. Some people were not interested in working for the government. You know, they don't want to be a government agent. They don't realize the, the benefits of it. I mean, they, you, you're really taken care of. You're given a great salary. You're given great benefits. You have the best medical care available within human society, you know. So if we just knew what the benefits were of working under that administration of the Supreme within the universe, we ourselves would strive to be immortal. And how do you attain that position of immortality? Well, that's provided in the in the law books of human society. And as we progress here in the next couple Anachetas, that's going to come into play. Is there is adhering to those law books for elevation to that plane of material immortality. 
it's kind of like a misnomer because it's not really immortal. But to the mortals on earth, it's forever. Everything's relative. So, you know, when you walk up and there's a beggar on the street and you hand him a dollar, it's like, it's, it means a lot to him. Hand that same dollar to a billionaire and it's like, well, it's not even sufficient to light a cig cigar. So, in that abode, talking about the transcendental abode, we've just been talking about the material abodes here. There's no time. There's none of these factors, the six factors that are the, the, um, the outcome of time. And, uh, and time even reigns over those immortals. To us, they live forever, but they don't live forever, ever. They live for a long, 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 long time. Uh, nor in that abode do you have sattva, rajas, and tamas, the modes of material nature. No influence, no influence out of, outside of, of purity of consciousness. Everyone in the transcendental abode have, has a purity of purpose. Can you imagine? No one's out to get you in that abode. No one's out to exploit you. No one's out to 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 take advantage in every way, you know, or any way, or even think of taking advantage. Um, the cosmic intellect, Mahat, primordial nature, none of this exists everything we've heard from the scriptures regarding the manifestation of the material universes, none of that exists in the transcendental realm. There's not a time when it's not manifest, like the material universe is wrapped up at a certain point. It's, it's, it's said to, to break down into one basic component of material nature, pradana, which is you know, just the, the the unmanifest energy of the Supreme and enter into his body. And then again from his body, it comes out and step by step, what was just his life energy of living turns into an environment for us. First becoming, you know, the energy, then Mahatattva, then going through the evolution as we hear from Sankhya philosophy. First there's the air, first there's the, not the air, there's the ether, mind, intelligence, false ego, all these subtle elements, then the gross elements, ether, air, water, fire, earth, so, in the transcendental realm, it's simply pure consciousness. 
That doesn't mean it doesn't have form. There's full of unlimited forms. And it, uh, it doesn't mean that there's not the same as can it be experienced here. But it's pure in every way. Does that mean there's no air, ether? No, they're there, but they're in. They're they're, pure. they're transcendental. That we have, we have, we have this preconceived notion of spirituality can have no form. We're basically impersonless. You know, that's our nature. We have no. We don't come from a, a background of. Uh, uh, theoretic or theistic understanding where we can understand the Supreme can have, there can be spiritual form. We're familiar t with material form and we think, well, if, if it's spiritual form, that means it has to be material. It can't. Spirit is like this nebulous, you know, everywhere. That's Brahman. The Brahman's everywhere. The Brahman pervades everything, both material and spiritual. But we do have this tendency from culture coming for, for how long, you know, and it's kind of built into our psychology. Spirit means it can't have anything. So when we think of spirit, we have... For the most part, until we are, until we're taken under the wing of a bhakta, we have a conception of of Brahman as being spirit, which is certainly part of Brahmati, Paramatmati, Bhagavaniti Subjite, but that concept is just what we would say is is not the complete understanding so what we're what we're beginning to talk about here and what's mentioned in this verse spoken by Sukha Goswami Sukadev is the process called Nati Nati the transcendental world is not this it's not a place of time. It's not that. It's not a place where um, where there's an influence of the gunas of material nature. It's um, it's not a place that evolves like the involvement that produces the material universe that we inhabit. It doesn't go step by step from not be, being unmanifested in the body of the Supreme to be completely manifest only to exist for some time and again be wrapped up in his internal unmanifest potency. So that's the way the scriptures explain the material creation. It's coming and it's going. And we see this, this everlasting cycling even in, within our own lives, of the seasons of the year, of the, of the bodies of, of humanity and the bodies of the animals are coming and they're going. 
everything here, you know, it, we see it as, as cycling. And we see, eventually, if we have a little bit of spiritual insight, we see that we're simply recycled. And and it's 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 a continual process. How long do you want to go through, you know, this process? You can go a lot of places here, and uh, that's going to be touched upon as we progress here in regards to the Vedas. Um, there's a lot of good to be had, but of what's good to be had in material existence, whether we're in the mortal aspect or what could be called the immortal aspect of material existence, uh, it's never going to be fully satisfying to our true spiritual nature, which has everything, everything that you can think about form and substance within the material realm is simply a shadow of the pure form and substance, which is the spiritual realm. It's like Guru Maharaj said, someone asked him a question, is there really sex life in the spiritual world? And what was his response? There's no real sex life here. Understand what's, you know, what we have here is a semblance of love, a semblance of intimacy, a semblance of union. It's not the real thing. There's no sex life here. This is not what what we're referring to when Scripture talks about sex. It's something much more than we can even comprehend. So it, the same thing you ask, you know, was there are there waterfalls? Are there suns? Are there moons? Are there constellations? Stars? Are there, you know, windmills and what? <laughs> yes, there's all that and much more. Now, in some of those Vaikuntha atmospheres, some of the atrocities of material... Uh, what do I want to say? Combobulation, where they put together these contraptions that simply are a nuisance to humanity, like nuclear bombs and machine guns. Now, some of those things don't exist in that realm. That's a fact. Not everything that that the demoniac mentality in association with the modes of material nature can come up with. But that doesn't mean it might not exist there. And we certainly know that Krishna, he does have his bow and arrow. But he also has a bow and arrow that simply shoots flowers. So, yeah, everything here is a perverted reflection. And if there's, any, if there's anything that we're good at in the material realm, it is perverting ref <laughs> perfection. We can pervert perfection and we make it a perverted reflection. So... This neti-neti is a kind of logic whereby we can begin to infer what's 
spirit, by understanding everything in matter that it's not. It's not influenced by time. It doesn't go through changes. It doesn't come into existence and dwindle. It's it's fully transcendental. So this this is one kind of logic that Shastra employs for us to give us some some insight. Srila Jiva Goswami goes on to break down this verse, these two verses from the Srimad Bhagavatam a little bit. Um, he mentions here, they abandon false notions about the self's true identity, Duratmya, namely the view that the self and the Lord are absolutely without distinction. The term single-minded heartfelt devotion, Ananya Surida, means that such devotees are filled with exclusive affection for him alone and not for anyone else. Vaikuntha is the very form of Brahman, that is the import of the verse. So Jiva is saying that that's, that's really what should be taken from these verses from uh, Sukha, Sukadev. Then there's a little bit of a, of a... We can draw a little bit more from, from what's being said here. One of the words in the verse is duratmya, which generally carries the meaning of depravity or moral corruption, is used here more precisely in the sense of ascribing to the pure self, atma, a spurious identity in one of two ways. So, in other words, we're misidentifying in one of two ways. Taking the pure self to be the body-mind complex. So, we're, we're taking our true existence and we're thinking of our being as being that manifestation of material existence, which is, we're not. We're not able to separate the wheat from the chaff. We accept what the mind tells us. I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm an American, I'm a native, I'm, 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 I'm. All these false eyes and these false minds, I own this, I own that, I'm so good at this, I'm so good at that. Everyone should worship me for this, everyone should give me their money for that. Everything related to me and my material mind complex, my my ego, what I've associated in life, that's one of the first depravities, moral corruptions. We're 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 depriving ourselves of what's our rightful position, 
a rightful position is is eternity knowledge and bliss. We live forever. We're not controlled by time. We're full of all knowledge. Knowledge is available to us at any time. And we should be happy about it. We should be happy about our existence. And the only thing that makes us unhappy is we think this is our existence. This material realm. This is me. My car broke. Oh my God, my life's coming to an end. I can't get to work. I can't feed the kids. My wife's going to kick me out of the house. You know, we immediately associate with the circumstances of the raw, of this environment in such a way that it it basically it makes us miserable for the most part all the time. Um, that's material existence. And it really doesn't matter if you're the rich person in the mansion or the per- person out front taking care of the garden. Your miseries of material life are the same. You come into the material world without any control of where you land. You exist. You, you, you're forced to, by circumstance, to do things that you don't want to do. Then just when you think you got it all together, your nice, perfect body starts to dwindle and decay. And then you're kicked the hell out. And it doesn't matter if you owned the mansion or simply took care of the flower beds. You're kicked out all the same. And in the end, you're the, you're the same. So that's our first depravity, is we deprive ourselves of what we sh- really are. We bring this upon ourselves. There's plenty of sadhus, there's plenty of scripture, there's plenty, plenty of... of There's an abundance available to us of of spiritual knowledge which we, for the most part, simply look the other way and go about our own personal affairs. And what's it do? It makes us miserable. What's the attitude of Vaikuntha? It's the place where there are no miseries. What's the nature? There's no anxieties. Our life, day in and day out, full of anxiety. Or we take it too far. Either we take it that we're this mind-body complex and we move in and we, we, we move in and we assert our full ownership and control of the environment and we end up being miserable because of it or we take it to the other extreme. We take ourselves to be the supreme and we identify ourselves with the ultimate reality in the wrong way. So 
both of these misconceptions, in both of these misconceptions, we negate the whole part existence which is there. That there is a whole and that we're a part of the whole. We either accept that we're controlled and we're miserable by our environment or we're everything. We're all, we are the, we are the Lord of all we survey. So the first reduces our pure consciousness to inert matter. And the second inflates our pure consciousness to the totality of everything. So, what we have to be able to come away from these verses with is that we have to free ourselves from both of these corruptions. And only by such freedom of consciousness, of corruption of consciousness, can we enter into Vaikuntha? Next Anocheta, Anocheta 71, deals with something we kind of touched on already. It begins by using as a Praman verse uh, something that Narada spoke to King Parchini Bharat. Now, Parchinabharti, he, he was really wrapped up in scripture. He conducted himself, he was a king, and he conducted himself religiously in everything. But his objectives were not what we would call spiritual. In the scriptures, there's many prescriptions for having a wonderful material life and having many attainments, material attainments. So that kind of scriptural approach we call karmakanda. We all have to experience karma in material existence but when you perform it according to scripture, you, you do it in the right way. There's, in life, you can see there's always two ways to accomplish what you want. Right? If you want to get wealthy, you can go to school, get a good education, get a great job, move up in the world, be the best of the best of what you do, and life will reward you. Or, you can get those rewards in another way. You can go out, you can join a gang, you can learn how to shoot a gun, you can, you can, you can become an expert crook, and you can steal whatever you want. So there's two ways. For everything. You want to have a nice 
relationship or you want to enjoy something in the world, you can either do it in what we would call the moral way or you can take it in the immoral way. So when someone uses the scriptures for and follows scriptural injunction to attain material ends, that's referred to as a karma conda approach to scriptural injunction. So King Parchini Barhi, that was that was the nature of his he employed Brahmins to perform sacrifices so that his ancestors would be taken care of, so that he could have nice offspring, so that he could maintain his position as in the kingdom, so that he could provide for the citizens, and so that ultimately he could go to heaven and enjoy like the gods do. So Jiva says, first of all, let's read what Narada said to Prachini Barhi. Those whose intelligence is clouded with smoke become, being unaware of the real purpose of the Vedas, think it is devoted only to ritual. They do not know the realm where Sri Janardhan dwells, which is identical to his own essential nature. Interesting use of words here by Narada, isn't it? Those who intelligence is clouded with smoke. What's the nature of ritualistic sacrifices? Well, they generally build a pit, they dig in some wood, and they light a fire, and they make offerings, oblations into the fire along with their prayers, in order to get some result. Now, the the ritualistic aspect of it may be different from one culture to another. But we see this, the fire pit's kind of there in, in most all of them, in one form or another. So, Narda's using this words with King Prachini Bari. Those in whose intelligence is clouded by smoke, they don't see that the real purpose behind all the scriptural prescriptions for ritualistic sacrifice and the concomitant rewards of those sacrifices is to bring one to the point where they can take to pure spiritual life and contact the Supreme Lord himself. So they do not know the realm where Sri Janardhan dwells, who is identical with his own essential nature. They have limited knowledge. Of course, just like the king, if they're fortunate in their sacrifices, they may gain the attention of a sadhu, like a Narada Muni. He'll say, oh, this king is performing so nicely the religious rituals. He, he must have some real piety and some determination of purpose. Let me go see. 
And Narda shows up and he says, oh my gosh, look at all the animals this guy's killing in order that he has a big, a good life in the heavenly planets. I should help him out because this is not going to end well for him. He may get to heaven, but he may also may have to pay a little time in it, play, pay a little bit for what he's done by putting in a term in hell. So Jiva goes to, on to say about this verse in this particular Anoche, to those whose intelligence is clouded with smoke, Dumra Diya, think that the Vedas prescribe only fruitive action. In other words, they think that the Vedic knowledge is only intended to give humanity direction on proper conduct through karma, acting properly, and through karma conduct sacrifices, through performing sacrifices. This is all the scriptures are about. Basically going to heaven. They don't know that there is a deeper, there's much deeper knowledge in the scripture whereby you can end material existence. But to them, the land of the immortals is immortal enough for them. They do not know that the abode, loka, of Lord Janardhan, which is identical to his very own swa, essential nature, they know only the heavenly planets and so on. The pronoun yatra there signifies a district, place, or location where Lord Janardhan's uh, abiding occurs. So we see Jiva here is continuing to give us insights into the nature of Vaikuntha and clarifications as to what it isn't and inferences into what it is based on what we have some familiarity with. And then he's also using this as a springboard to give us a deeper understanding of why one would want through their actions to attain the Vaikuntha realm as opposed to some other realm or loka. So he'll continue with this and we'll continue to learn about this as we uh, go forward. Are there any questions? So how many realms are there? In the material world, uh, I can, a simple breakdown is uh, there's 14 divisions of planetary systems. Uh, upper, lower, and middle planetary systems. We're like in the Earth. We're, we're in the middle of those. There's seven hellish realms below here deeper and deeper into, uh, uh, well, no, people that reside there, they have no desire to, to have any knowledge of spirituality. They're controlled. Is that people here on the earth? Or are they no, we're in the middle realm. Planet. We can go either way. We can go up, we can go down. 
so no, that's we. This realm here is like it's a jumping off point for both upper and lower planetary systems. So there's upper and lower planetary systems in 14 divisions and the upper planetary systems there's people that live much longer than we do here. They have much better accommodations. They have mystic powers. They have everything that you can imagine from all the, you know, from all the literature, the best of music, the best of artwork, the best of of bodies. Everything that you see on the earth, the best of, they have that in spades. Are they immortals also? We consider them immortal in comparison with our lifetime, but their lifetimes also come to an end. So every everything, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, every planet, every loka, loka is another word for planet, every loka in the material world from the highest to the lowest are all considered places of misery. This is Krishna himself speaking. My, it's my material world, I made it, but the whole place is miserable. You know, from the highest planet to the lowest, all are places of misery. Why? Because repeated birth and death take place. So even the heavenly planets are are miserable. There's also some other planets above those 14 divisions, uh, three planetary systems in particular. And then there's Brahma's planet. He's the creator. Uh, it's the highest planet. How do you get on Brahma's planet? How do you get to Brahma's planet? (laughs) Well, you don't even need to go to Brahma's planet as a jumping off point. Although, it's interesting you say that because it is a jumping off point. Uh, For Krishna's devotee, he can can immediately, uh, his his material existence can come to an end simply by uh, cultivating a loving relationship with the Lord even here on earth. So you don't need to go there to get to go off the material realm. Although it's interesting, a lot of people who do take the long way home, they go step by step through the planetary systems up to Brahma Loka. And then when the whole material universe, that's another problem here because you're saying, I want, I want to end miseries. Well, that's okay. But if you take that long route to Brahma's planet, well, first of all, only one half through, one half way, th- no, this is the youngest Brahma. We're, Brahma's nowhere near, he lives for a hundred years of his years, 365 years. One day of Brahma is incalculable in our estimation. We're only one half through one day of Brahma here. I mean, it's a long, long time. But at the end of the material manifestation, when Brahma gives up his body, then he 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 goes to the Vaikuntha atmosphere in most instances. No guarantee. In most instances. So, but there's three planetary systems above the 14. Mahaloka, Janaloka, Tapaloka. Those are for the those that have perfected themselves in spiritual life. And then from there, those those residents generally go to Brahmaloka, and then when the material universe is wrapped up, they'll enter into the transcendental realm. They'll enter the trend. Vaikuntha atmosphere. Well, I'm wondering who made up all these planets. If, if 
they've never seen them or experienced them, how do they know they're there? No one made them up, first of all. And second of all, if we're to accept the scripture as revelation, people have been there, seen that, and made note of it, and that's how we have knowledge of it. So that's our whole system of spiritual revelation is we hear from those who have actually experienced. So we shouldn't think that somebody just made up a nice story and put it down and here we have the Srimad Bhagavatam or the Bhagavad Gita or, you know, the dialogue never took place. Somebody just decided this would be a good thing to... You you find that as you continue in spiritual life that what was in the beginning, just like any other, you find that these scriptures, they, the revelations that are being spoken about like this in the scripture itself is something that you are compared, uh, beginning to recognize and realize yourself. Beginning with, first of all, changes in your own consciousness by following a guru, by following the processes of purification, gradually you can see, oh, what the scripture's saying, I'm experiencing some change. And as you go on, you... There's an inner life. There's also there's this life, but you also begin to develop an inner life. In that inner life, revelation will come, where you'll see that these things that are being revealed are are in, a, in scripture are in accordance with your your realization, what you're experiencing internally. Um, Sometimes you notice in scripture some little difference from one. One one person's internalization of an experience in another's, but those are just details. Any other questions? Thank you so much.